Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you, Pastor Phil, Bishop Phil. It's amazing how you know, our lives cross paths with people, and, and uh, with Ireland, uh, we have connection. My wife's with me. She's actually from Australia. We've been married 42 years, have four children, two grandchildren, one dog, and many dead cats. Uh, <laughs> So Sharon, would you stand so they can put their eyes on you? This is my wife right here. You can turn around and say hi. Uh, <clears throat> we live in Oregon, which is the northwest United States. Uh, Oregon's beautiful like Ireland is, and uh, we always enjoy Ireland. First time I came here was 42 years ago, right before I got married, actually a month before I got married. I was here for six weeks doing some ministry in different towns all around Ireland and fell in love with Ireland then just the people were so wonderful so friendly and and uh, your breakfast the Irish fry would be uh, soda bread and and I haven't had a decent piece of soda bread since I've been here uh, and that's a grief that I have uh, but you you are a gracious people you're a wonderful people you're very gifted people and uh, I've, I've learned that a lot of our presidents have come from Ireland and so I didn't know that, but my, my host has been schooling me in how much you have served the United States by giving us 17 presidents. I would like to argue the fact that that's not so, but I don't know how to argue the fact. He even told me Davy Crockett came from here. Uh, you know, so I'm not sure how to actually you know, assimilate that new information. Um, but we're, we are uh, blessed to be here and uh, blessed to be with Phil and the church and uh, again, having a conference the last few days, getting together, and a beautiful drive here. You have a beautiful town, and I certainly uh, think you have a beautiful life, and uh, I'm, I'm honored just to speak into it. Uh, my journey has been uh, uh, pretty much uh, Bible person my whole life, um, you know, since I was 17. Uh, I taught in college, I went to college, graduated, taught in college, and then uh, pastored and uh, went back and got my master's degree, my doctorate degree, and so I did pastoring education at the same time, and uh, over the years have tried to merge the two together uh, with the spirit kind of focus and the intellectual kind of focus. I couldn't find a lot of people that would do that. And so I was always a little bit on the outside of one or the other. Either I was not spiritual enough or not smart enough. And so I had to try to merge the two together, and that's what I've done my whole life. Uh, my love for uh, the scripture is going to come out, I hope, with what I'm going to say to you this morning. Uh, about four years ago, uh, we were pastoring in Oregon, and uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. It was a uh, surprise, like with anybody. You know, I, I had prayed with many, many people over my years of ministry who had cancer. And I had some of my elders die of cancer. My best friends die of cancer. Wendell Smith, who you referred to this morning, Judas Smith's dad, uh, died of cancer. And, and so I had gone through it with a lot of people. 
but when you're actually the person that the doctor sits across from and says, you have lymphoma, you have cancer, and you're going to have to stop right now and go through treatment, which I did. I, I stopped everything for a year, 12 months, went through treatment, uh, you know, 300 hours of chemotherapy and spinal taps and radiations and prayer, of course, along with that. Uh, but it was, a, it was a total change of life. I was 64 when that happened. Uh, I'm now 68. My wife is 38. Um, <laughs> and uh, we came up the other side of that. When I did, I made a transition with the church. I didn't have to. They didn't ask me to, but I felt to do that. And I transitioned the church. I had a tumor in my hip, uh, and so that's why I use a cane now and, and uh, hard to get around. Just lately, I've had a little fracture in my bone because my bone's dead in my hip. And so I have to be very careful with that. Before that, I was a very active person, golfer, racquetballer, cyclist for a number of years right before the cancer. Actually, it was cycling that probably saved my life uh, because I was in, in such great health that they could do the hard treatments on me that they would only do with the young guys. And so my doctor said, hang the bike in your office and think your bike every day because that bike saved your life. Uh, the, the bad part is I can't get back on it. And so that's the, the thing you have to live with. I talked to some cyclists after the first service, and they would certainly identify with that understanding how, how cycling is an addiction. I mean, it's something that once you get into it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to people. Uh, but I enjoyed cycling so much. Uh, so out of that, uh, we reinvented ourselves a little bit more, and uh, we now oversee a number of churches, like 300 churches in America, and uh, a number of churches in different nations, and, and I write and teach in colleges and travel and, you know, do what I do. Uh, and with it all, there's a uh, price to pay when you travel. I don't like to travel, uh, but you can't do what I do if you don't travel. And so you kind of pay the price and do it. And, but you get to meet lovely people like you folks this morning uh, who are just wonderful Irish people. And... Uh, I hope you like uh, Americans. Yeah, that wasn't a great response. <laughs> but, uh, you know, don't, don't blame some of the Americans you know, especially those in high office or whoever. Uh, and uh, just, why don't you right now, let's practice something this morning so we can kind of bond a little bit. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and just say, I really like this guy. And some of you would not even do that. I could see. I could see that we've got a ways to go. But, uh, but truly, surely, thank you for uh, allowing us to be here. And then actually, we're on our way home. Uh, speak tonight in Belfast. And then we drive to Dublin tonight, fly out in the morning through Washington, D.C., and then back to Portland, and life goes on. Uh, I'm going to uh, dip into the scripture. What time? Uh, I see that you have a clock right here, so I can't miss it. Uh, <laughs> And so, there, is there one over there? Is there a buzzer that goes off to maybe? Or uh, what time is this service over? Quarter till one. Quarter till one? Qu not a quarter to two. <laughs> quarter, quarter to one. Okay, got that. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm going to uh, quote a scripture, and then I'm going to read a scripture. If you want to get ahead of me, go to Luke four sixteen, and I'll be there in a moment. And uh, we'll read. But I want to frame it in before we go there. And I, I actually want to hopefully 
deposit something into you this morning that would be uh, maybe toward a life-changing experience for a few minutes here for those who really need what I'm going to say, and maybe all of you will. I'm going to talk about the favor, encounter the favor of God, what that means, but I'm going to approach it a little differently through the scriptures I'm going to refer to here from the book of Isaiah and then also from Luke chapter 4. In uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah was one of those prophets that was quoted more in the New Testament than any other prophet. Uh, Isaiah was a favorite of Paul. He was a favorite of Jesus. He was a favorite of Peter because he was a very systematic prophet, 66 chapters of Isaiah, but he's very systematic in his prophesying. And you and I use a lot of Isaiah famous scriptures on Christmas and Easter and other times. Isaiah has a lot of famous scriptures. If I would start quoting them, you would recognize them right off. Oh, that's the Easter one. That's the Christmas one. That's the virgin birth one. That's the death one. That Oh, yeah, we recognize. Because Isaiah was what they call the messianic prophet because he had so much prophecy about the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ, the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ, where he would be born, who would uh, be disloyal to him, how he would die. I mean, he, he had details that no one else had about the Lord Jesus Christ. So they called him the Messiah messianic prophet because he was so thorough with his messianic prophecies. Now, when you go to the Gospel of Luke, which we're going to go to, Luke is a doctor, and he's very much like Isaiah. He's kind of a very systematic one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When you read Luke, you get all the gaps filled in. Luke has more systematic teaching in his gospel than any other gospel. He also quotes Isaiah a lot. And so Dr. Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, the very systematic gospel man that would lay the gospel out for us, he's the one that puts Luke 4 into context. Now, I'm going to read Luke 4 and verse 16 through 19, and I, I want you to kind of follow with me and let me frame a little bit of history, a little bit of tradition along with the scripture uh, so that you can get a full grasp of what this scripture is doing. Now, I'm going to give you a hint right now because I need you to kind of lean in and get ready for what I'm going to try to do with you. I'm going to give you a hint. In this scripture, which is going to talk about a synagogue, and it's going to talk about a few people in that synagogue, they had no idea that they were in a room where a miracle was going to take place. A supernatural happening was going to happen in that room that day that had never happened in history before and would never happen again. And they were the privileged few to be in that room. I would like to uh, be bold enough, if you would allow me to do so, and to apply this. I would like to say to you, you could be in the room this morning, not accidentally and not routinely, but maybe in a way to be reminded that God has a miracle for your life and something supernatural could take place in your life right now if you could actually recognize what God was trying to do. Yeah. These people did not recognize it. They could not see it until it happened. And then even after it happened, it was something they had to catch up on. So I'm hinting so that I can get you to lean in to this scripture and you'll see why when I start reading this. Luke 4 and verse 16, so he came, speaking about Jesus, to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is his hometown. Nazareth is only 8,000 people. Nazareth is a little community, a rural town. It, it doesn't have much going for it, like many of the little towns around that area. And so Jesus is from Nazareth. 
and he is a carpenter. So he knows all the people, 8,000 people. He's lived there for 30 years. He has a mom and a dad and four siblings. We understand the family of Jesus. We know that he had brothers and sisters. It says it in the Bible. And so when you read this scripture that he came to Nazareth, everybody knew who Jesus was. Joseph's son, the carpenter. He probably built a table for you or a fence or something else. He, he was that person in the community that everybody would have known. And so this is, this is a very common thing for Jesus to do. He's in his hometown where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, that is, he had a habit here, a habit of going to the Saturday synagogue church that his family was a member of. They were a member of this particular little synagogue church. Now, the synagogues in those days were small. It wouldn't be, uh, I don't know what you seat in this room, but I'd imagine there's maybe 300 seats in this room, something like that. The synagogues were about 200, so it's even smaller than this room, and there were many of those dotted throughout the neighborhoods. The synagogue in the rural areas did not have full-time priests. So the Levites, who were over all the synagogues, Old Testament, all the way up through the coming of Christ, or first coming of Christ here, they were uh, assigned to synagogues, but they were lay people. They would be butchers or carpenters, and they would do all kinds of things, but they were of the tribe of Levi, and they would be assigned like a pastor to a campus. They would have a synagogue they were responsible for. Jerusalem was the big synagogue. It had the full-time priests. It had all the stuff that they needed because it was a temple. It was huge. They had stuff going with the feasts and sacrifices and what they did in Jerusalem is that they actually planned the services for all the rural areas So because the priests didn't have time to do that. So they would actually package the service and they would assign the services to the different rural areas and this was one of them, Nazareth. And they would have in this package, they would have the, the hymn that you would sing, they would sing from the Psalms and they would have scripture reading a lot from the Psalms but also some of the major prophets. Uh, they didn't use all the books of the Old Testament, but there were certain books that they read a lot from. Isaiah was one of them, Psalms was one, Proverbs one. And so they would have the assignments for 52 Sabbaths. And so all the assignments were given to the synagogue, and then they, in the synagogue, the priests would then, uh, sometimes randomly or sometimes they would actually assign people a month ahead of time, whatever, to have readers. And the readers then would be assigned to the scripture and they would stand up and read. I'm telling you all this so that when I read this next line, you can understand that the people have no idea that something supernatural is going to happen. Because the prophecy that's going to be read, which is Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, was a prophecy 750 years prior to the coming of Christ, prior to the birth of Christ. 750 years, Isaiah prophesies, and he prophesies about this person that's going to have these things on him, the Spirit of the Lord, all this stuff. But this has never happened, that the prophecy who is about a person and the person who's going to be the fulfillment of the prophecy prophecy all come together at the same time. So the prophecy of Isaiah 61 and the synagogue of Nazareth and Jesus, who the prophecy is about, is all going to merge at one time and they have no idea that the person who's going to read the prophecy is actually the person who's going to fulfill the prophecy, who is actually going to make history in front of their eyes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So this is like a supernatural thing that's going on. They have no idea. They, they don't know what to expect. But 
watch the wording, it's in your Bible. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, Saturday. He stood up to read, but notice he was handed the book. He didn't choose it. This was not his choice. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, the scrolls were bulky and big, and they were put on a table with holes in it. And so the scrolls were put in these holes uh, for four, five, or six weeks at a time because for you to find Isaiah 61, you might have to go to two or three or four scrolls to get to Isaiah 61 and then unscroll it. It was a bulky thing. It was a hard thing. Logistically, it would take a lot of time. So they would have the scroll in the table, in that little round hole. They put the scroll there, and when the priest would come up, he would say to the reader, uh, your turn to read, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the carpenter, you come. And then he would take the scroll, like it says right here, and he handed the book, actually the scroll, it was not a book, he handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Now again, Jesus did not choose the reading for the day. And when he unrolled it or he opened the book, now heaven's going to lean over. All of eternity has been waiting for Jesus to start his ministry. This is the beginning of his ministry. They have no idea that they're in the midst of a miracle, a supernatural happening, a prophecy fulfillment. They've all been looking for the Messiah. They all want the Messiah, but they have no idea it's going to take place that morning in that particular service He's handed the book. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61, verse 1. And then he starts reading. Just notice the word me. The Spirit of the Lord. Now, how weird would it have been for the reader to be standing there being Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, the virgin birth, and all that has taken place 30 years, and all of heaven is waiting for this ministry to begin. And this is the beginning point. This is the beginning point of heaven open and miracles. They haven't seen miracles for thousands of years. This is the beginning point. So Jesus has a scroll, and he says, And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Me. When he said me, I have to believe that something happened in that room. That it wasn't just the normal reading. That the Because later on in Luke chapter 4, actually I'm not making this up. The people said, is there something going on here? Uh, did you feel that? Is, is that not Joseph's son? Why is there such virtue coming out? There was something being fulfilled in the room. A miracle was taking place. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Would you say the word me? me. Come on, church, talk to me. me. You, you Irish people get quiet, don't you? That's because you're so smart. It's, you just have to think so deeply. I want you to be more American and think shallow. <laughs> I want you to think with your emotions. I want you to... Okay. The Spirit of the Lord is upon... Me. Come on, one more time. And all the people are saying, what's going on here? Because he has anointed me. to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. to heal the brokenhearted. Now, this is his job description. These are the things that's going to take place from this day forward. There was no healing. There was no, none of this was going on before Jesus. And now Jesus said, this is going to happen, and I'm the person that's going to do it. Proclaim liberty, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those that who are oppressed. Now, this is what I'm after, this phrase. I want you to see it. And to proclaim the acceptable 
year of the Lord. Now, if you read Isaiah 61, he stops in the middle of the verse, closes, he doesn't continue on because the rest of the verse is about the second coming of Christ, not the first coming of Christ. So Jesus doesn't go into that. He stops right there. He puts the scroll down, and he says to them, I want to proclaim to you the acceptable, the word acceptable is the word favor, and that's what we're talking about this morning, to proclaim to you the, the favor year of the Lord. Now, the favor year of the Lord was set by the Jewish calendar to be the year of Jubilee, which would happen every 50 years, and that 50-year Jubilee, they were nowhere near that date. And Jesus is saying to them, but I'm actually going to reset your calendar, and I'm going to say to you that if you would believe me in this room, I'm going to actually begin a year of Jubilee and a year of favor for you today because I am the year of favor. I am the Jubilee. I can bring these things to pass. If you're brokenhearted, I can heal you. If you're oppressed, I can lift it off your life. If you have blind eyes, I can take care of it. They had never imagined anybody could do that. But Jesus is bringing a miracle right in front of them, and he He's saying to them, I'm going to proclaim to you that this year is going to be the best year of your life. And for the Jewish people, for the next uh, three years, they were going to have this. And the first year that Jesus says is right in this area, right here, his whole ministry takes place here. He's actually saying to them, from this point on, and this is exactly what happened, the heavens will open and there will be miracles every place I go. And if you have any family that's brokenhearted, if you have anybody that you know that's oppressed, if you have anybody you know that has blindness, I'm telling you that it will change because I'm going to make this year a year of favor, and it's going to be totally different for everybody. And if you would do this with me, if you would believe this with me, you'll bring jubilee erase the calendar that you used to have. I'm going to reset your calendar. And by faith, you're going to have the best year. You're going to have open heavens. You're going to have healing. I'm going to come and heal your heart. I'm going to turn things around. I'm going to put favor on your family. I'm going to be good to you. It's not going to be a bad year. It's going to be a good year. They've not heard anything. It's almost like a positive gospel. It's too positive. It's too good. It's, it's you're telling us too many good things. We can't handle this. We're used to suffering. We're used to all the stuff that comes in our life, but you're telling us that you're going to turn this around. She said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. If you would receive it, I'm the miracle you're looking for, and the people there could not put it together. But you this morning, I'm just saying, if you would lean in with me, I would like to say to you, I believe you can have a year of jubilee and a favor year starting today by faith that we would reach out to this and claim the miracle that's in the house this morning for our life that we would let last year go and we would reach to a brand new year starting today. Forget the calendar November starting today for 365 years. Would you maybe chance to believe that a miracle could be in your house and in your life and in your business and in your health that you actually could reach out this morning and remember this word that we dated it. This is a year of favor for me. And you know what? I believe it. Amen. What would happen? Well, I'll tell you, if it could be by faith, you can't lose. And if I'm wrong, nothing will change. You can still live the way you're living. But if I'm right, you might enter into a brand new day. And you might have some things that these people might have missed because it was a prophetic moment. It was an atmosphere. They couldn't quite put it together. 
Why did you come today? What's the routine of your life? How much of a wreck of a year did you have last year? What would you let go of if you could? What would you change if you could put your hand on it? If you actually believe God is still in the business of turning things around like this, what would you let God turn around in your life? You came to church just like the people in the synagogue. You go through the announcements. You sing a song. But you're not expecting a miracle, more or less, or you're not expecting some supernatural thing to happen just this morning in this service. But maybe... I could just say to you, why don't we press that a little bit and say that today could be a day of miracles for me and for my family, and I'm actually going to press that issue. I'm going to believe for favor on my life. Can I hear an amen? amen. Okay. Here's a definition. This definition, I've done the work for you so you can just enjoy it, but here's a definition of the word favor. If you would take the combination of all the words blessed and blessing and favor and abundant and grace and they're all in the same family tree. They're all in the same family circle of words. Some of them just have a different root to that Hebrew word or that Greek word, but they're all in the same family of words. And if you would have put them all together and write a definition, which I have done, and put some modern vernacular to it, it would read like this. Think about it. Aligning our life with God's blessing, grace and favor. I use those words so you can broaden your thinking about the scriptures. That position us, and this is actually what the word favor takes in. Increased influence. Supernatural turnarounds. Limitations broken. Dreams awakened. Missed opportunities redeemed. Wide open new doors of divine possibilities. Where the word favor is used, these things happen. Where God says, I want to increase your influence. Well, I don't deserve it. I'm not talking about whether you deserve it or not. But God, you know, there's a lot of things. If you give me influence, I might, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go there. I just want to ask you a question. It, would you let me increase your influence? Everyone say yes. yes. How about... I give you some supernatural turnarounds. How about I break some limitations that you have over your life, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, relationally. You have limitations, the lids on your life. Would you let me take the lid off your life? What was that? And what about missed opportunities, regret? You know, we miss something. We, 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 we make a bad decision. We, we tell people, that if I could do it over again, I wish I would have never done that, and, and I'm shamed about this, and I, I wish I would have made a different decision there. In the world, you live with regret because you can't do anything about it, but in the kingdom of God, God can actually bring things back around that you missed and actually bring them back around better than when you missed them. Now, don't look at your husband and say, I'm getting a new one. <laughs> it's coming back around, baby. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about some bad stuff, bad decisions, dysfunctionalities, things that, that you really did do or allowed to happen that has marked you in your core person that you would like to 
Be rid of that, but you don't know how to get that opportunity back. God says, I can redeem opportunities. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord are called according to his purpose. And I can actually take something that is really a mess and it's really a destruction and it's really bad. I can take your ashes and turn them into beauty. I can take things that are burned up and make them beautiful. I can do things for you that no one else can do because I'm the God of grace. You don't deserve it, but you never have deserved anything. I do it because I love you and because I'm merciful and because I have the power to do it. And I want to create for you a new future. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Missed opportunities redeemed. New doors of divine possibility. How many of you would say I would allow that definition to be over my life. How many would say, and I want it over my kid's life? How many would say, I have a friend that really needs this? How many would say, I have a husband who really needs this? Now, if he's sitting there, don't say anything. Or a wife that needs this, or a brother that needs this, or whoever it might be. We all need it. Every single person in this room needs this word. Grace and mercy for favor on my life. Now, here's a couple scriptures. I'm going to read them in the translation that's going to come on the screen because this translation brings out what I'm saying so well. But I want you to look and stare at this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.18. The new situation, how many of you would say, I'd like to get into a new situation, something new to break loose in my life. I could, I could go for some new. The new situation is holy God's doing. For he is the one who restored us to his, come on, what's it say? Everybody in the room, talk with me for a moment. He restored us to his, so there's something that happens when you come into the cross, you come to Christ. You actually come into the favor. The definition I'm giving you, when you accept Christ, this is not a favor man can give you or a favor that the church by itself can give you. I'm talking about the cross, the covenant, the blood of Jesus. When you submit your life to Jesus, he's saying to you, there's something I'm going to do for you, and there's something I'm going to bring to you, and I'm going to restore you to my favor through the cross, and that favor will come upon your spirit, your soul, your body, your relationship, your finance. I'm going to put my favor on you. This is the day for my favor to come on you. Now listen to this scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Watch the timing words in the verse. Hear what God says. When the time came, for me to show you favor, I heard you. And when the day arrived for me to save you, I helped you. Listen, this is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day. To be saved, sozo, wholeness, from a season to a day to an hour to right now, God says, you know what? I can change things in a minute. I'm the God who can change everything with a whisper of your heart, I can respond to it. I'm the God 
who hears more than you say, answers more than you ask, and gives you more than you imagine. I'm that God. I'm the God where your heart words are heard loud in heaven, and I respond to the heart. And so when you said, when you said, oh God, I really need help. God, I really need healing. God, I need this to turn around. God, I need this to be today. God says, when, when you said it, I heard you. And when you needed what I could do for you, I helped you. I'm the God who hears, and I'm the God who helps. And where the enemy tries to block all the good things I want to do in your life and the favor I want to bring and, and the blessings and the joy and the grace and the prosperity and the healing and all the things that should be in your life, he tries to block it. He tries to shame you. He tries to put guilt. He tries to put doubt. He tries to push you aside. You always try to measure up. I don't think I should get that because I don't deserve it. You know, I think they should get it, but I don't think I could get it. I know that the blessing could come, but I'm not sure how many blessings I can have. You know, relationships other people get, they do it so easily. I don't get mine so easily. And so I'm saying to you this morning, God hears your heart. And when you cry out, oh God, I need this relationship healed. I need favor on this. I need a turnaround. I, I need this to go away. I need this stuff that has come on my life to go away. God says, when your heart speaks, I hear it. And I help. Right now, close your eyes just for a second, or 10, but just close your eyes. And I want you to, with your heart, Simply ask God for that piece of the definition you need. Oh God, I need supernatural turnaround, my finance, my relationships. Oh God, I, I need to let go of last year and yesterday's stuff. If you need a supernatural turnaround in relationships, lift your hand. Just put your hand up for a second. Everyone else, keep your head bowed, but you put your hand. How many would say, I need a turnaround in my finance? How many would say, I need a turnaround in my emotions? My emotions are out of whack. How many would say, I need to let go of some resentment and bitterness that has put me in a prison? Oh, God. I need to let it go. How many would say, I am living with a regret that is a secret that no one knows about, but it's something that I missed an opportunity and I chose the wrong road and I've regretted it ever since and I don't know what to do with that feeling? Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Living in a secret regret. How about the door you missed that you should have gone through. 
Lift your hand. Say, I missed that door. I missed a door. I don't know what to do. I missed it. I missed it. I don't know how to go back to it. I don't know how to get it back in my heart. And when the time came for me to favor you, I heard you. And I decided to help you. God hears your heart right now as all of us are just lifting up toward that miracle of a day of favor and a year of favor. And right now, the favor of God's coming to you saying, I heard you. Favor comes in a moment. I can change things in a moment. I can do more than you say. I can answer more than you ask. I can give more than you imagine. I'm the God of more, and I will do for you what you don't think I can do because I love you so much. And this is your day to mark your calendar and say, my year of favor began at that defining moment, that turning point, that pivotal prophetic thought that came into my heart. My year is marked for good, and I'm moving into it right now. I'm believing for favor to be on my finance, my relationship, on my home, on my children, on my grandchildren, on my friends. Devil, get your hands off God's property because God is doing a great thing in my life, and I'm not going to settle for anything that's second best or anything behind. I'm closing the door to last year, and praise God, I'm opening a new door this morning. That is exactly what God wants you to do is open that door. Open that door. Let the healing come. Let the stuff go. Let the favor rest on you. Jesus, right now, let your favor come in this room and do something mighty. Those that are in the room, Hopefully your heads are still bowed. I'm still trying to talk to you. But if you're in the room and you have never encountered Christ as your personal God, your personal Savior, or you're in the room and you got off track, you're a prodigal, you got beat up, you got hurt, something happened, you, you, you just, the enemy had his way and, and you have been out of the house in a sense like Luke 15, that prodigal son coming home. And God today is saying to you, I want you back. I want you in my house. There's nothing you've done that will separate us. I want you to turn it back. If you're in the room and you say, Frank, I need to get back to God, lift your hand right now. Lift your hand right now. Anybody in this room says, I'm a prodigal and I need to get back to God. Just slip your hand up. I won't do anything else. I won't embarrass you. I promise. Thank you. In the back there. I won't, I won't embarrass. I won't take it any further. But just slip your hand up and say, I got beat up. I got off track. But I want to get back to God. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, young woman, young man. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up right now. Why? Because your heart says, oh, God. Oh, God. And God says, I heard it. I heard it. I heard your heart. I heard your heart. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up and say, I need to get back to God. Thank you. How many of you, go ahead and open your eyes now and look at me. How many of you with me by faith today and personally for your own life, 
whether you're single, married, or whatever, for your own life, you're willing to mark your calendar November 15, isn't it? 18. Yeah, I'm messed up. I got a few, few days missing somewhere. November 18, you're willing to mark your calendar by faith and lean into the service. I'm not just trying to hype you. I, I think this is the word of the Lord to many people today, that God wants to put favor and honor and blessing, turn around, that definition. And you're willing to mark your calendar, not just willing, but you're saying, by faith, I'm pronouncing today as a prophetic turnaround for me. Would you lift your hand just personally? You're saying, that's for me. That's for me. How many, how many of you would do that for your family? Also, you're saying, I want to turn around for my family. How about those in this room that are business people, business owners, and you need a turnaround in your business and you'll mark it? Let me see your hand. You're saying, you know what? I'm in. I'm in for this. I want this to happen. I want, I want my year from November 18th for 365 days. I'm going to put this in front of me, and I'm going to declare it every day. I'm going to say, may the favor of God rest on my business. New business is on its way. Things are going to change. Sales are coming. The industry is going to change. I don't care what the other economic people are saying. My business is beyond what anyone else is saying because the favor of God is on my business. And I am right now saying to you that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and add no sorrow to it. And the blessing of the Lord will come upon my business so that I can bless my people that work for me and bless the church and bless everybody else. That this will be a double portion year. This will be a triple portion year. I'm trying to get you excited about something. I want you to at least feel. And how about this? How about your church? How about a year of favor on Emmanuel? How about a year of unprecedented growth? How about a year of unprecedented prodigals coming in looking for the shoes and the robes and the ring and the love and the healing and the acceptance? I got to believe in this great city there are thousands of prodigals that don't know what to do, but they just need to find a good church and a good house and a place of restoration, and this is a good place for this to happen. I want to prophesy with my eyes open, and I want to predict with my eyes open that for the next 365 days, you're going to see more prodigals and one year return to this church than all the years that you've existed as a church. You're going to see more people. Favor of God on you is more salvation than you've ever seen. Favor of God on you, more finance than you need. You're going to be looking for ways to spend it. You're going to be trying to find ways to give it away. And my name is going to come up. No, I'm just kidding you. You're going to find missionaries. You're going to find the poor in the city. You're going to find places that you, you've wanted to give to, but you have, you're going to have surplus. Everyone shout surplus. surplus. You're going to have surplus of finance, surplus of salvation, surplus of prodigals. And you're going to have a surplus of people trying to serve, more leaders than you've ever had, more pillar people coming up, more young people in the youth meeting, more worship songs being written, more musicians coming in, more presence of God, more miracles of healing. I'm preaching to you 
what I believe to be true, that the favor of God is a great thing. And it can be a great thing on this church. Are you with me? All right. Stand to your feet, Pastor Phil. Lorraine, Lorraine, is that your wife? No, she's not here, but God doesn't care. Uh, God can go to her wherever she is. Whatever coffee shop she's in, God will go there. I want you as a church to just reach your hands toward Phil. And I want you to say out loud, Oh God, fill this man with more anointing, more faith, more of everything. Let him lead us to the next level. And we will follow. Bless this man. In Jesus' name. Now say it out loud three times. Favor, favor, favor. Three more times. Three more times. That's what we're believing for this church, Phil. It's a favor of God in every area of this church. A favor of God. A favor of God. A favor of God. Favor of God. Favor of God. Supernatural. The band, you can come anytime. Uh, are you coming back? Are you just are you gonna go meet his wife at the coffee place? <laughs> How many of you have prodigal children? They're away from God, they're away from church. Lift your hand. I'm I'm gonna give you a word of the Lord this morning. I have great faith for prodigal children. We had one. But you know, that prodigal child, who would have ever known? She now works for me in the ministry that I'm doing. She's my personal assistant, sits in my office every day. She's a walking miracle of restoration. Who would have known? God, I, if someone would have prophesied over me, you know, your daughter is going to be working for you, running your ministry, I would have laughed at her and said, you are some kind of a dodo brain. <laughs> she has no love for any of that, but she does now. Why? God can take the hardest prodigals and make them the best disciples. Now, raise your hand, those that have prodigal children, just one more time, if you don't mind. You have prodigal sisters and brothers, or it's your, your actual children, or but they're, they're people that you know you want back to God. Father, right now, do a miracle in the life of these prodigals. Let something come to them, let something speak to them, and let this year be the year of favor for prodigals. You mark it down, put their name on the wall, and say, these people are coming home. These people are coming back to the house of God. These people are going to be used mightily for the Lord. Lord, I prophesy it. That the word of the Lord will come to the prodigals and the people that need healing. Are there people in this room today that need healing of a terminal disease? You have a, a disease that without God touching you, you're not going to make it. Anybody in the room? You're all healthy and whole. I'm going to move here. <laughs> How many of you, not terminal disease, but have some serious physical afflictions that you need healing for? Let me see your hands. Yeah, I need healing. 
Okay, let's believe for healing. Don't give up on healing. I'm not giving up on it, and I would have a lot of reason to, but I don't. Everyone in the room, let's stand to our feet. All right. One more thing. We're just about on time. I'm only five minutes over. For me, that's like being 20 minutes early. I want you, if you don't mind, just spread your hands toward heaven. Just, it's, it's an act of prayer. That's all that is. It's an act of prayer to lift your hands with your heart toward heaven. It's a covenantal act that simply says, whether you're a believer or a, or a person who doesn't even understand what we're doing, an unbeliever or a person who doesn't even understand. Church, you can do what I'm doing right now. It won't hurt you if you don't mind. Just try it. It won't hurt your life. It simply is saying, God, take everything in my life, and you be my strength. You be my guidance. You be my help. Yeah. Lord, I'm, I'm looking to you. I'm actually, I'm actually spreading my hand toward heaven saying, God, I'm open to whatever you want to do in my life. And I believe you have all the provisions that I need, and they're going to come to my life. They're going to open up and move to me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout and a clap this morning. Amen. Come on, give it again to him, will you? You, you can now realize why I've followed this kind of stuff for almost 27 years now, so... It's just, a, again, it's a great honor to have Frankie. Let's worship together, and then we're going to uh, pray, and that's just done and dusted. All right? Bless you, man. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.